Amen. Go ahead and take your Bibles this evening. We'll be in Psalms chapter number 27. Psalms chapter 27. I'm a bass, but they keep giving me the high parts, so I'll have to get my voice back. Psalms chapter number 27. Story of David, or a, a psalm written by David. There's uh, so many things in the Bible that we, that we can read about David. There's 66 chapters dedicated to his life. His name comes up over a thousand times in Scripture. Only the name of Jesus is mentioned anymore. You know, and, and there's so much in David's life that I, I feel that we can relate to, you know, that we can draw parallels from. You know, when God inspired Scripture, um, you know, there, there's different characters that there's nothing bad written about. I believe Joseph, uh, Daniel, you know, so there's a select few that, that God records only good things, only times they obeyed, only times they trusted him. Um, David's not one of those guys. You know, if you know the story of David, God records good, but God also records a lot of, of, of his sin. God records a lot of the times that he... Um, disobeyed. You know, if we think about the sin in David's life, we remember Bathsheba. We remember that that led to, to murdering um, Uriah. We, we, we remember that he numbered the people against God's will. Um, you know, and God records that for us. If, as you read through the book of Psalms, you find Psalms where, where David's, uh, you know, what we would call on, on the mountaintop. When, when things are going really well and he has a very triumphant psalm, a, a psalm of praising the Lord, of victory, uh, you know, of, of, of great times. But then there's also psalms that they call laments. You know, when things weren't going well. When, when David might have been running from Saul. Or, uh, you know, David was, was fighting his own son Absalom. You know, and we find some of those psalms as well. And, and I love that God has put all of that in Scripture. You know, because it's something that we can relate to. You know, as I look around the room, knowing some of your testimonies, I know there are times when you, you faced it. You've had trials. You've had difficulties. You know, and I don't think any of us would, would be able to stand and say, yeah, I've never, I've never had a challenge in my life. I never had a time that, that life wasn't smooth. You know, and I, 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 I think that's such an awesome thing about David. And he's probably one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament for us to study and so this evening, we're going to be looking at Psalms 27. We're going to be talking about the goodness of God. And I have to admit, you know, as I was preparing and, and th- praying, you know, Lord, what would you, what would you have me write? Um, Kevin, he's like, well, we're, we're singing about the goodness of God. Why don't you just talk about that? And I'm like, ah, go away. You know, <laughs> I don't, don't give me my ideas, right? But then the Lord kind of said, you know, he's not, it's not a bad idea. Um, the goodness of God is probably one of my favorite songs. Uh, that we get to sing, and, and so it, it, it really was kind of what the Lord used to, to, to provoke me into this uh, study that we're going to do tonight. And so in Psalms chapter number 27, uh, we're just going to go through the psalm, and we're going to talk about the goodness of God, you know, what, what David says, uh, and, and we'll see how that might be applicable to us this evening. Uh, psalms 27 goes through the cycle, all right, and, and you'll see this with the children of Israel, you'll see this in your own life of when things are going really well, followed by a time of trial or tragedy or difficulty, followed by a time of coming to God. And Psalms 27 is, is kind of a snapshot of that. We'll begin reading in, in verse number 1. Psalms 27, verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. We see first off that David's confidence was based uh, in experiencing God's protection already. You know, there had been times, we don't know exactly when Psalms 27 was written. Um, we kind of think later in David's life, but we don't know for sure. We don't know, you know, exactly the circumstance David was under. But we would ha- kind of had the idea that he had already faced some of those challenges. You know, if, if you were uh, a little shepherd boy and you had to go up against Goliath, you know, I, I think that would have a little bit of, of fear. You know, if you were fighting a lion or a bear, if they had come up to attack the flock, I think that would have a little bit of fear. You know, if the king of Israel, with all his, his armies, had, had put a, a bounty on your head and was pursuing you in the wilderness, I think we could, we could understand David's fear. And yet when he looks back, he says, look, my experience has been, when they came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. And he doesn't say anything about his power, about his cunning, about his strength. He points back to the Lord. He says, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. That's what he had learned through that. Not only that, but he says, whom shall I fear? Not that just God would save him. He had confidence in that. But it allowed him to, to, to push against the emotion that comes with it. Uh, you know, against the fear that might cre- creep into his life. <clears throat> Amanda, can you grab me a, a water, please? The Bible also says, the Lord is my strength. You know, and, and again, if you picture running through the wilderness, hiding, you know, how exhausting that would be. Always getting up and moving and, and not being in any one camp too long because, you know, word might get out. And just the, the exhaustion that David might have been facing. And he says, the Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And again, that comes from experiencing what God has done. Verse 3, though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Verse 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. How many of you guys enjoy coming to church? You know, and, and I know we probably have gone through seasons where uh, we're, we're, you know, we're at church again. And uh, thank you. Um, you know, but I remember during uh, you know, the last couple of years when we weren't able to come to church. You know, in that first Sunday back. How many of you guys remember that first Sunday? And we talked about, <clears throat> we talked about in some of our messages, you know, not taking things for granted. You know, but I, I wonder if we've already begun to slip in that, you know, where, where church can become trivial, you know. But David looks at this and he says, God's my salvation, God is my strength, and where can I draw close to him? Church. And I know they don't have that word here in the scripture, but trying to put it in our context today, it, church, you know, the house of God. You know, as I look back, there's been times, and you can ask my wife, well, oh, she'll do the same thing, you know, as we're... Um, facing challenges, whatever, and it's one of those nights that you just need out of the house. You know, Amanda will come and she loves playing piano. And so she'll come and she'll just play piano and, and sing and talk with the Lord. And then there'll be times I'll come, you know, and I have, I have um, you know, I'll put some music on and, and I'll praise the Lord and I'll have a little bit of my own church service here. Just me and God. 
And I look back and those are, are, are good memories. Those are times that he encourages me, times that, that have strengthened me. You know, and David says, look, one thing I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One of the things that God said that David was not able to do was to build the temple. He said that David was a man of war, that he had shed blood, and that it was going to be reserved for somebody else. Solomon would be the one that would build the temple. But when David, David was allowed, however, to bring back the Ark of the Covenant, the Philistines had captured it in battle, um, and David was finally allowed to bring it back to Jerusalem. And, and we could talk about the story of all the fanfare and all that, uh, and he had built kind of a temporary shelter for it. And so they didn't have the, the splendid temple that we think of when we think of Israel's history. But there still was uh, a, a place where the Ark of the Covenant was in Jerusalem. And David could go there, you know, and he could feel like he was close to God. You know, we know that God is everywhere. You know, can you pray to God at home just as easy as you can pray to God here? Absolutely. God's everywhere. But there is something different about being at church. You know, if you think back over your time, if you've been at Bethel for any length of time, you know, has there been a decision you've made here at the altar? You know, has there been tears shed here? Has there been someone that you prayed over and encouraged here at the altar? You know, has there been a message, whether revivals or, or uh, did you get saved here? I'm looking at you, Wanda. You know, and, and yes, this is a building. You know, but there's a lot of good memories here. You know, God's presence has been here, is, is here. You know, and just this morning, another man trusting Christ. And that's, that's this church. God has blessed. God, God, there's just something special about coming to church. And David says, That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And again, it's because he wanted to be with God. God was his strength. God was his salvation. All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Inquiring in the temple is the idea of talking with God. You know, David, you know, um, in the Old Testament, they would go to uh, inquire of God. Should I go to battle? Should I, should I go against the Philistines? Should I go against, you know, these different kings? God, what do you want us to do? And in a special way, God would, would sometimes reveal that will to them very specifically. You know, if you think of some of the battles, you know, God said, I want you to wait, let them come out of the city and then go and pursue or come in to, to behind and ambush them, you know, and God would give them sometimes very specific instructions. And so David, even as king over Israel, at this point, he's saying, God, I need to inquire of you. I, I, I can't rule apart from you. I don't have the wisdom to be a king apart from you. And so he says, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know, that idea of beholding the beauty of the Lord, just sitting and thinking about Jesus. You know, I know David didn't know Jesus the way we know Jesus. But for us, just to think about our Savior, you know, to look at the beauty of what he's done for us. You know, the, some people don't like talking about the blood of Jesus. Don't like the idea of the shedding of blood. And yet that's a beautiful thing. You know, that he could cover my sins with his blood. That's a beautiful thing to think about. When I come to his church, when we gather together as a family, that's some of the, some of the things that we can do, is to think on Jesus, to inquire, to pray. Verse 5, for in the, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. 
In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me and he shall set me up upon a rock. He had that confidence. God, if I come to you, you'll be there for me. Verse 6, And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of lambs and goats. No, what's the sacrifice? Of joy. You know, pastor makes jokes about it, but it's true. Sometimes we're up here and we're looking out there and, oh boy. (laughs) Some of us, uh, if there was joy, we've, uh, we've missed it. And, um, you know, so David says very specifically, my sacrifice to the Lord is joy. It's okay to come to church to have fun. Not, not in a, a humorous or in a, um, you know, entertainment kind of a way, but church should be fun. You should enjoy coming to church. It should put happiness in your heart. It should put joy and a smile on your face when you come and you worship together. David says, I will offer in the tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. How many of you guys enjoy singing? How many of you guys enjoy singing, but God has not blessed you with a, a wonderful, talented voice? <laughs> you know, I think God enjoys your voice just as much as anyone who's been trained and takes all the lessons. You know, because God created you and God delights in you. David says, I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Many of the psalms that we see are, are songs of David. And that's one of those things in heaven that, that I, I am very interested to hear is, is the music behind that. You know, when, when you go from, from Hebrew, which is what David wrote into English, you know, things don't always rhyme and, and, you know, the cadence of the words might not flow and all the rest. And yet to hear it the way God inspired, the way David wrote the Psalms, and to hear what that sounds like, that's something I'm interested to, to listen to in heaven. And so he says, I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. And then we come to verse 7. You know, verse 7, we, we've seen praise in the confidence of God, praise in his, in his presence at church. But we kind of see a division here. And there's, there's different scholars who wonder, who hypothesize, and none of them have, have any real proof. But it really feels like David changes gears. And so some of the scholars would say that these were actually maybe two psalms that David had wrote and that he eventually combined together. And we're going to talk about, talk about why they, they fit so well together. But it, it, it does. It's, it's a very noticeable break between verse 6 and 7. You know, from verse 1 to 6, we have a lot of confidence. We have a lot of, of um, you know, belief in God. And God, you'll save me. You are my protector. You're my, my salvation, my light, all those different things. And, and just, just a very upbeat psalm. And then when we get to verse 7, it, it changes. And I just wrote down uncertainty. As much confidence as David had in verses 1 to 6, once we get to verse 7, some of that feels like a little bit like it's being challenged. You know, how many guys have, you can think back in your life um, to the moment that your, your life changed. And, I, and I'm talking about you got bad news or you had a phone call that changed things. You know, or you, you got to work and found out your job was gone. You know, whatever the situation was, there, there's a very vivid line of before and then very vivid line after. And I think David, you know, he experienced that. And I love it. We've talked about in the, in the introduction that God puts that in there because we've had those. We've had a great Monday, but then Tuesday comes and it, wow, our, our lives are shaken, right? And it's not that you forgot Monday. 
But now that, that, those statements, those beliefs are going to be challenged, that they're going to be tested, right? And it's not that you've turned your back on them, but they've, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time. And so we see that in verse number seven here, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, you know, if he's, if he's singing unto the Lord or if this is a time of prayer, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me. You know, how many of us need mercy? Every single day we need mercy. You know, the very fact, even the, even the world around us that, that rejects Jesus is actually experiencing his mercy every day. You know, the fact that someone is breathing in defiance of God, you know, railing against him, um, you know, and just the wickedness as in our world, the fact that God doesn't immediately snuff them out is mercy. And David goes and he says, I'm crying to the Lord with my voice, have mercy upon me. God, I need your mercy. He says, answer me. You know, has there been times in your life, <clears throat> been times in your life that it feels like God's not there? You know, whether it's sin. You know, if I have sin in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. And so David said, have mercy, hear me, uh, or answer me rather, and answer me. <clears throat> when thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. David says, look, God, you, you've said, you know, if I, if I pursue you, if I seek you, I'll find you. That's a promise we have in Scripture. You know, if I ask for wisdom, that you'll give it to me. Now, these are some of the promises we have. And David gave one of those, those promises to God. He, he said, you know, you said, seek your face. And God, my heart, I'm seeking you. You know that. You, you know everything about me, God, and I'm, I'm trying. I am seeking you with my heart. I want to find you. I want to hear from you. Thy, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Verse 9, hide not thy face far from me, and put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. You know, once David experienced the protection, the salvation, the blessings of God, he says, God, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to go back to a time when I didn't know you. You know, different scholars would say and suggest that, um, that in the time that uh, David had committed sin, that there was probably a year uh, that he, he might not have walked with God. Not that he gave up on God or turned his back on God, but that there was sin, that it was unconfessed, it was unforgiven sin. You know, and maybe David, if this is occurring after that, maybe he's looking back and he says, God, I don't want to go back to when we, we weren't on good terms. I don't want to go back when sin was between us, when sin, when sin um, caused me to seek other things. God, I don't want to go there. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. You know, it makes another one of those statements that, you know, our, our human families, while they are tight, while they are close, they're nothing compared to God. You know, there, there are circumstances when, when families break apart. You know, when, when siblings have fights, when parents have fights with their kids, when parents have fights with their grandparents and all the rest. And, and I'm, I'm sure you understand. You know, and yet David says, even if my mother and father forsake me, God, you won't forsake me. God, you, you'll still take me up. And so we, we find this kind of different tone 
And, and again, we don't know exactly what, what the circumstances were. We don't know what David was facing, but it, it feels like he's facing some uncertainty. It feels like he's facing some fear. Even though we saw in, verse, in, the, in the first six verses that he had conquered fear, right? But now he's in a time when maybe that's, that's shaky a little bit. Maybe that's wavering a little bit. As we see uncertainty and we follow that up by utter dependence, Utter dependence. And this is the verses that, that as I was preparing for the goodness of God, these are the verses that, that came to mind. And, and I'm going to share a little bit of a testimony, and, and hopefully it goes okay, because it's a bit of an emotional testimony. Um, verse 13. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. When I went to Bible college, I, about... I guess 10 years ago. Uh, I went to, to Faithway Baptist College up in Ajax. Um, and if you've been in our church for any length of time, uh, you'll know that during that time, I believe in 2010, um, Pastor Baker took his life. Uh, he committed suicide. And, and I, as a student there, I can speak to my experience. You know, I can't speak to the, the church's experience. I can't speak um, to the family of Pastor Baker, but it was a very trying time. It was a very uncertain time. You know, it was a time that for a lot of people, you know, we would have looked and probably had the same experience, the same reaction that David did. God, don't leave me. God, I need your mercy. God, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, when I found out, I was on summer staff here, and Pastor Bowman came out, and, and uh, I, was, I was actually sealing the driveway, of all things. And he's like, well, Calvin, I don't know if there's going to be college in the fall. And I'm like, well, that's great, because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, so it was a very, very challenging time for sure. And again, I was just a student, you know, but still affected by it. That fall when we, when we went back, so um, that all took place in June. Uh, so a couple months later in September, we went back to school. And the very first chapel service we had, Mrs. Baker came in. I feel bad even telling her story. Um, but she got up and she read those verses. And she said, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And she lived it. She knew that in the way that David had been able to pen that, she knew that. And, and as I was preparing this, this message, I, I messaged her yesterday and uh, just thanked her for her her testimony, and thanked her for her, her impact in our lives as students um, to come back after something like that and to, to stand and say, God is good. You know, that God had been very real to her. And she said, those were, those were the words. And as I messaged her yesterday, she's like, you know, th- that whole circumstance changed her life verses. And I, I don't remember what she said her verses were before that, but now she says, her life verses are right here. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. You know, if you ever get to hear her testimony, I know some of our ladies are, are, know her and are friends with her. If you've ever heard her testimony, she didn't find peace right away. She probably didn't find peace for, uh, she'd probably say six, seven, eight years. It took a long time for her to, um, to, to be able to rest, to be able to have peace in what the promises of God were. And yet she clung to those verses. 
And, and we'll, we'll talk about those as we talk about the goodness of God. At the very beginning of verse 13, if you look in your Bible, you'll see that I had fainted are in italics. All right, if, if you um, understand a little bit of the translation of the King James Bible, when a word is in italics, it means that it's not in the original manuscript. But it was added in so that we in English could understand what was being said. And, and I'll get the guys to throw, there's a word that I'm not going to try and pronounce, okay? If you've ever heard me preach, you know I mess up with English. And so there it is, that's the word. All right, and the definition is a sudden breaking off of sentence, as if, to form, as if from inability or unwillingness to proceed. All right, as we look at verse 13, that beginning, I had fainted, was added in in the, in the English for us to understand. So read it without it. And think of it as if David was here trying to tell us. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And then he can't go on. He doesn't have the words to say. Unless God is here, unless I see the goodness of God, I don't know. And, and it's hard to write that in literature for us. And so we see that. I had fainted. You know, the strongest idea that I can't go on. God, if I cannot see your goodness, I can't, I can't do this. You know, and I wonder if you can look back in your life and maybe you've come to that point. Maybe you've had one of those experiences when those, the, that trial comes and you just you can't say anything. God, if, if you're not, if you can't, and you, and you just don't know what to say. And that's what I believe that we see here with David. He's, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. God, unless I can go back and experience your strength. Unless I can, can have that salvation. Unless I can have the joy. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to, to go on. And yet he had that promise. You know, in verse 14, David tells himself. He's telling us, but he tells himself, look, wait on the Lord. You know, in those moments that you don't know what to say, just wait. Be patient. You know, again, using a little bit of, of Melissa's testimony, it wasn't overnight. It, it was a long time. She said she, she would battle the lies of the devil daily. These lies would come in and, and try and attack her and, and discourage her. You know, and just wait. God, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm waiting on you. God, I need to see your goodness. God, I can't go forward if you're not going to be there. God, if you're not, if you're not real, I, there's no point. You know, whatever that, whatever that word, whatever that language would be, that's what David was saying. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. You know, how many know it takes courage, it takes fortitude to make, through, make it through trials? You know, we can face those difficulties and just give up. Ah, I'm done with church. I'm done with faith. You know, God, you didn't, you didn't come through. We prayed for so-and-so and they never got healed. You know, whatever, whatever that might be, you know, David's saying, wait, have courage, all right? If you have the strength to make it through, have the courage to persevere. And look at, you know, it's not your strength, all right? Have courage, but where does that courage come from? He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, it's an opportunity for us to look. Um, it's an opportunity 
you know, when we have those verse 1 to 6 and everything's going great, to put those, those ideas into our hearts. You know, my wife is, is great. She has a, a little praise jar, is what we call it. And when God does something in our lives or in the lives of our family, we'll write one of those little praises in there. You know, and was it Christmas or New Year's Eve? I forget when, it, when we do it. But once a year, we'll go and we'll open that jar. You know, and, and she has the date, whatever, May, whatever, so-and-so. Um, I can't even think of them right now. But, you know, just little things. As things go through our lives that you can't blame or you can't explain apart from God, she'll write those in there. And it's neat because I'm a man, I forget. And, uh, you know, and so she'll be like, hey, let's go through our praises and it's also, it's also really good for our boys, you know, because they get to see what God has done. And so I'd encourage you, you know, David had verses 1 to 6 to help him make it through verses 7 to 14. You know, what would it be like in David's life if he didn't have those verses of 1 to 6? If he hadn't experienced God's protection, God's salvation, the light of the Lord, you know, the joy of coming to church... You know, where would he have been? Where, what, what hope would he have had to make it through? But it's the hope of verses 1 to 6 that give us the, the ability to make it through verses 7 to 14. And so I hope that, that would just be an encouragement tonight. You know, maybe you are in a, a verse 1 to 6 kind of mode. Everything's going great. That is, that's awesome. You should praise the Lord for that. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, God's, God's blessing, things are going well, you have joy, your family is great, you know, thank God for it. But maybe you're not there. You know, I can't help but think some of us in this room aren't there. You know, maybe it's a, a public thing that a bunch of people know about. Maybe it's a very private thing, you know, between you and God, between you and your spouse and God, you know, that we would never know about. And yet you're in one of those speechless moments. God, if, if you don't come through on this, I, I just, I don't know. And I want to encourage you this evening to think about the goodness. David said, look, I had fainted unless I believed that God was good. I, I told our, our group that we're going to sing again, so if you guys could come. And I want you guys, as we sing this song in closing, I encourage you, sing along. If you know the words, it's a great song. Sing along. But may this be our invitation tonight. Spend time in prayer with God and say, God, what, you know, what can I be thankful for? Am I in that, that time of thankfulness for how good you are? God, but if I'm not, if there are battles, if there are trials that I'm facing today, God, let that goodness be the strength to get me through. And, and we'll use this song as our invitation, and then we'll pray, and uh, Paul will come with some announcements. But think about the goodness of God.